Go Loud Selects, brought to you by Sky. Watch new exclusive and unmissable content only on Sky. I hear babies crying. John, would you not go and feed poor Lenny? He's on a diet, Simon. Thank you. Is he? He's actually not. He's just screaming his head off because he's got a cold. A crying baby, lads, on Halloween is quite apt and kind of spooky. Let's do it! Welcome, one and all, to another episode of Go Loud Selects, a Go Loud original brought to you by the beautiful people at Sky, starring Simon Delaney, me, Aidan Power, our producer, John Casey, and the newest member of our team, baby, Lenny. Oh. The Landmeister General, big bull of bus. He was right in on cue there, Johnny. He was. He got his. Uh, he hit his mark nicely there. Sorry, that's oh, my, that's my the phone. Yeah. This is all going really well, isn't it? I got that. Sean, how are you? Oh, well. the podcast. Can I call you back? I think we should leave that in because, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, let's give you a little peek behind the scenes of putting this show together. This is attempt number six to get the show started. Uh, and I'd like to talk to you about <laughs> boxes that, use, that we use as interfaces. Because uh, I'm going to say it on air, they are fucking shite. I bought one about oh, 18 months ago. I've done voiceovers, live shows. I zoomed into where in the AM. I've done podcasts. And for the last number of weeks, it's just fucking died every time we pressed record. So anybody out there listening from I'm not talking through I'm talking through the internal mic on my fucking MacBook. Carry on, Ado. Rant over. Okay, welcome to Go Loud Selecting. Go Loud Original. Apologies for the poor uh, technical troubles and indeed uh, phone call interruptions. As we were saying before, we were rudely interrupted by that showbiz, baby. By my brother. I'll call you back, Sean. Sean, uh, you're an awful man. I'll call him back by the time this podcast airs. It is Monday, Bank Holiday Monday, a.k.a. Halloween. Have you got your nuts ready, lads? And what are you dressed up as? My nuts are in a basket, ready to be handed out to the good people of Lusk, Vegas, North County, Dublin. And I'm dressed, I'm delighted to say, as Elvis in 1976. You weren't expecting that, were you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Thank you very much. I don't engage in the 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 sweets and the nuts and all. I have in the last ah, couple of years. Ah, fucking So hang on, your doorbell goes this evening, John. What you, you you just hide? But did you not know, Aiden? There's a new kind of rule now that you have to hang something out that suggests that you are in the the festive mood, so to speak, and uh, otherwise families and children won't knock on your door. So, so if you don't have decorations on your hall door, basically gone shite. Basically, uh, any 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 appetite for a Halloween joke, lads? Uh, come on, yeah. Where does a ghost go on vacation? Uh, uh, I'm going to say, uh, I don't know, Ado. They go to Malibu. Oh, fuck me. Fuck me. I I just thought we marked the occasion with a a tremendous Halloween joke. Yeah, and when are you going to do that joke? At the end of the podcast. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Ado, the good people at Sky Ireland are giving us a cracking recommendation. Now, I know one of the three of us is a fan of this show. What's coming up this week from Sky? Season two of The White Lotus. That's Sky's Uh, recommendation for you this week. 
Whenever I stay at a White Lotus, I always have a memorable time. Always. Welcome to the White Lotus in Sicily. The first season of it was class, as one description goes. People loved it. It's a comedy. It's a fun show. It's set in in and around a, a hotel, I believe, a very wealthy hotel. Uh, season one was set in Hawaii, and it follows different groups of people, different vacationers in this very fancy white lotus. I believe it's pronounced Hawaii. <laughs> Hawaii? Hawaii. I Hawaii. Hawaii. That was season one, and it was very popular and very funny. And now it's almost kind of like they've started over. Well, they've moved locations. Season two takes us to uh, the beautiful Sicily, the island of Sicily, to a gorgeous place, which I had the good fortune of visiting once, called Taormina, which is just a stunningly old. Taormina. Taormina in Sicily. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it stars Jennifer Coolidge, a.k.a. Stifler's mom. I'm talking about alcohol, liquor, the good stuff. All right. I got some scotch. Single malt? Aged 18 years. The way I like it. She's back in season two, as is Grant Hunt. And uh, they have a romance going in it. But there's a lot of new cast members coming through. So not only a new location, but kind of a, a new raft of talent on board for this one. Jennifer Coolidge, who I am a fan of, and I know she's done a lot of... She, for as many good things she's done, she's done a lot of shit. But she did win a, uh, a primetime Emmy for her turn in this in season one. Am I right in saying Jennifer Coolidge was featured in a lot of those Christopher Guest things, like Best in Show? I mean, he still pushes all my buttons. And, um, you know, people say, oh, but he's so much older than you. And you know what? I'm the one having to push him away. <laughs> yeah, we both have so much in common. We both love soup. She's a fantastic actor mm -hmm. and one of the best comedians in the business, I think. Yeah, I met her once, actually, when they were uh, doing a junket for for one of the American Pie movies. And yeah. uh, they, they, they all came to Dublin and, uh, yeah, I interviewed her and Stifler and some of the other cast members. And, and Eugene like, Levin, which was just a fucking thrill. So, John, is it you who's a fan of The White Lotus? I'm not sure. Yeah, if it's like baby. I said, I, kinda, I quite enjoyed the first season. It was born out of necessity. I think the, the writers were told, look, it's a pandemic. We need something self-contained, yeah. one location, same group of actors. Uh, what can you do? And the chapter's kind of banged it out. He thought, okay, hotel kind of, I suppose, destination resort. Uh, lots of uh, kind of bourgeois, wealthy folks mixing with the, the people who are working there. And uh, there's a dead body at the start. There's a bag of drugs that goes missing. Ooh. There's an incredibly pushy guy, a character called Shane, who thinks he's getting done over by the manager who himself is a recovering drug addict and is just trying to juggle all of this shit around him and not doing very well. And it's just about the kind of, I suppose, the jealousies, the pettiness, the arguments and the kind of dark side of a lot of the, the people who are staying there. But yeah, I couldn't recommend it highly enough. It's like seven episodes. When you say those um, kind of storylines, which all sound heavy, this is a comedy though, isn't it? Oh, there's lots of uh, very funny stuff in it. Like it's, you're like, you're, you're completely laughing at them. Uh, you're, you are an audience to some of the worst aspects of kind of humanity. But within oh, that, it, it is played in a very... Johnny, uh, I don't follow many people on, on Instagram, but one of the people I do follow is Michael Imperioli, uh, who's, who's obviously in season two. Is he in season one as well? He's not, no. He's he's on board now for season two. And like F. Yeah. Murray Abraham is showing up as well. So wow. pretty heavyweight cast. 
and he's a mentor of Michael Imperioli's in real life. You know, Michael Imperioli, of course, most famous for playing Christopher Moltisanti in uh, The Sopranos. He's a phenomenal actor. When I came in to open up one morning, there you were with your head half in the toilet. Your hair was in the toilet water. Disgusting. I told you I had the flu. I said my piece, Chrissy. Great. I can't even defend myself now. Yes, I'd love to know what exactly he's doing in the second <clears throat> season now. I, yeah. I don't. I know it's all dropped in kind of one big kind of lump the full season uh, tonight as we're and recording does the, te- the 31st. Does the trailer, the teasers, uh, tease out Michael's character in it at all, do you think? Uh, I think a lot of it is probably selling it on the fact that it's still Jennifer Coolidge still there. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I think not to sound disparaging but it was maybe unexpected the level of success she got out of the first season um, because there's a lot of strong performances in it Armand the guy who's running the resort he was phenomenal in the first season Um, but obviously Jennifer Coolidge got that nod ahead of him Uh, I don't know if the second season is going to measure up I thought it was a nice neat little bow after the first season didn't know if there was a necessity for a second one, but it was very successful, so shows what I know. Is it a case that they just chucked a lot more money and said, listen, go ahead, let's go number two, and they're ready to go? Because to me, it sounds like if it's if it's in one setting, and it sounds like season one had a couple of storylines, but as you say, they were all tied up neatly in a bow, does that not restrict what can happen in season two? But as suppose as we're bringing in new guests, you're off again. Yeah, I think the guy who wrote it, he was kind of brimming with ideas, but very restricted in the first season because it was a pandemic but I think now he's probably let off the leash a bit and can explore a bit more but I think be very much down to the first couple of episodes I'll give it a go obviously because I enjoyed the first season but if it mm. doesn't like it, the way the first season worked it, it established everyone in it so quickly in such a kind of tantalizing manner you, you were, there was no way you weren't watching the whole thing you're like I have right. to find out what happens here I'm watching the trailer right now obviously with the sound on mute and uh just for the <clears throat> visuals alone it is stunning and lavish and beautiful um so just to give you kind of uh to make you want to go on holidays it's it's very attractive looking and everyone looks very beautiful in it as well and uh oh there's someone naked as well Hmm. a lot of uh, drugs violence and kind of sex in the first season so i imagine it'll be a bit more than the second season fingers crossed Fingers crossed is Is that what you look for in a checklist for a show johnny a hbo show definitely yes So season two is dropping this week. Uh, by the time you hear this on Wednesday, you'll have it all there. And season one, of course, can be caught up on uh, on Sky and indeed with now. Now that he's loaded, you think he regrets marrying such a dud? What is going on with you? There's a reason they invited us here. It's like you sold your company, you got rich, and now he's your best friend. Are these the kind of people we're going to be hanging out with now? Did you vote, babe? Be honest. I did. Didn't I? Doesn't matter. Yeah, I like the sound of it. It sounds kind of, um, I'm trying to think of something you could compare it to. It doesn't look like anything uh, obvious. No, it's it's quite a unique uh, kind of take and everyone gets their due attention. No central star in it really. Like, so it is very new and fresh. That's why some people were kind of taken with it. Hmm. What's the other show that's on at the moment that I'm confusing it with, with them? What's her name? Australia. Yeah. What's that one? Do you know what? When I, when I heard the White Lotus, that's what I thought. That that's was what I thought. My, yeah. my mind went because I didn't it's watch a resort it. and it's yes. mindfulness. And, yeah, yeah. And I watched it. that as well, actually. What it's is it? Like nine. Dead oh, that's right. Yeah. Nine. Yeah, I can't yeah, even yeah. remember the title now. To be honest with you, like uh, that ran out of steam big oh, time. Right. Yeah. Oh Christ. Okay. And did you bail on that, John? Because you know when a show <clears> that happens, but you're kind of stubbornly uh, into it. Is White Lotus the same as Nine Perfect Strangers? Nine Perfect Strangers, sorry. Uh, I think it's it shares a lot of 
similarities in that it was definitely a pandemic writing writing job. It's like mm. one location, you know, uh, prestige kind of trash for want of a better term. Um, lots of names, lots of very recognizable people and character actors. But uh, yeah, and there's a there's obviously a dead body somewhere as well in both. Um, but I think the kind of was the the reason it runs out of uh, steam. Yeah, Nine Perfect Strangers is that. Like Nicole Kidman's character, she's kind of a shaman and she's, you know, bringing these people on this journey. But a lot of the stuff that it's alluding to or the kind of darkness or this and that, it doesn't really get delivered upon. It's just like, you know, flashbacks and, you know, I don't know, smoke and mirrors. Whereas the White Lotus, you're really in the thick of the action all the time, you know. You don't sound hugely excited about the fact that it's the second season dropping. Is that because you thought, as you said, number one was tied up nicely? Yeah, I just thought, you know, like a limited series, like, you know, The Mayor of Easttown or something like that. Like, yeah. if you've done it, it's perfect. Maybe just leave it there. Clearly, there's a bit more fuel in the tank for the, the writers and the creators of it, you know? Michael and Perdi Oli appeared in it as well. That'd make me want to dive into season two after I watch season one, that is. Yeah, well, and well, maybe the way it's it's kind of set up for season two is perhaps you wouldn't have had to have seen season one if there's... As well as a location change, new cast member change, but or maybe you do because maybe there's the that kind of central storyline between Jennifer Coolidge and the other fella that their romance is. Uh, maybe you do need to know their backstory. Anyway, should you want season two and you enjoyed season one, it is there for you now. And if you like the sound of it, you can go back to it from the start and catch up from season one on now and Sky. Even if he wasn't a top, it doesn't mean he was femme. He could have still been butch, Dad. Maybe he was a bossy bottom. Yeah, maybe Grandpa was a power bottom. Does that make you feel better? No, that makes me want to throw up. Lads, Marvelous. I'm going to break all the traditional rules of this podcast, of which there's actually none. I'm going to recommend a film that I haven't yet watched. What the what? I have not had the chance to watch a film that has just been released on Netflix over the bank holiday weekend, but I was away and I was busy. And I was kind of saving it. And tonight I will be sitting down, not answering my front door to any children because I'm a mean bastard and I have no sweets in the house. I will pull the curtains. I will light the fire and I will watch All Quiet on the Western Front, the brand new retelling of the famous book and indeed movie from the 1930s that has just been released on Netflix, the epic anti-war film um, that has been rebooted for a present day audience. Ooh. And who's starring who? Anybody we know of and love? One of the names that jumps out to me, and I'm a huge fan of him, is a, a Spanish-German actor, Daniel Brühl. Daniel Brühl. Best known for... I mean, he's done a lot, and Google him right away, you'll know his face. Um, best known to me from uh, his starring role as Nicky Lauda in the Formula One movie, uh, Ron Howard movie that he starred alongside one of the Hemsworths, who played James Hunt. Um... Daniel Brühl also starred in a film based on a, a book I was a big fan of called Alone in Berlin, which I very <clears throat> Brendan Gleeson starred in. And you know what? I think, like many actors these days, he's had a role in uh, in one of the Marvel things, Captain America, Captain America Civil War, I think it was called. So he's a busy boy. Busy, busy boy. And uh, yeah, leading German slash uh, Spanish actress, uh, actor. <laughs> Maybe you can call him an actress these days. Uh, maybe that's an acceptable term. Uh, so anyway, but like the brief plot line about this is war breaks out, World War I, 1914. And uh, it focuses on uh, one particular young German lad and his friend who all very enthusiastically join up to go, all go and fight in the Great War. And as we, as we know, everyone thought, you know, on both sides, we'll be home by Christmas. And then very soon the 
the the true realities and horror of war uh, come upon these poor lads uh, in a very. Have you read the book, Ada? No, I haven't. No. no. So the book, <clears throat> the book was written in 1928, and immediately became a bestseller. Sold two and a half million copies when, within 18 months of release. It's been translated, it says here, into 22 different languages. And as you mentioned, the 1930 film version picked up two Oscars, Best Picture and Best Director. Here is one of the first to go. A lad who sat before me on these very benches, who gave up all to serve in the first year of the war. One of the iron youth who have made Germany invincible in the field. Look at him, sturdy and bronzed and clear-eyed, the kind of soldier every one of you should envy. It was, like, I mean, it's something I think, whether you've read it or seen the original, <clears throat> even that saying, all quiet on the Western Front, we've all heard it, whether we knew what it related to or not. It's um, it's kind of transcended down through the last, you know, 90-odd years or whatever. Mm. Um, but no, I've not read the, read the book. I, I, I did see the original film Donkeys years ago. But I saw the trailer for this come out a few months, and I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of of history and particularly war movies and the like. And and there's not too many of them being made these days. So uh, so yeah. when one comes out, my, my interest is peaked. And sometimes some of them are shit, and they really don't deliver. Uh, but this one, going by just uh, some quick reviews and the all important uh, Rotten Tomatoes rating, of which it has something like ninety five percent. Really fucking hell! That's very really good. Very promising. So uh, I'm getting stuck into this tonight. It's already trending as the the number two watched film in Ireland at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I'm watching like, like you watch the trailer here now. So it looks the business, and so far up your street, it's knocking on your hall door. Yeah, and it looks like they they flung the kitchen sink at it in terms of the yeah, yeah. budget, in terms of the the battle sequences and and all that stuff. But I believe the storyline is uh, extremely powerful and quite faithful to uh, the original book. In, in, in so your recommendation could be described as a preemptive strike because you're expecting to love this, aren't you? Oh, I, there you go. <laughs> preemptive strike, a pretext to war. Um, there you go. Yes. So uh, by the time you hear this podcast, <clears throat> many people will have watched it and uh, hopefully uh, will have enjoyed it because uh, I don't want to put too much into it because you're setting yourself up for disappointment. But uh, but I, I'm quite confident about this one. I'm just looking. The runtime is 147 minutes. That sounds long, isn't it? That's over. Yeah. Thank you for doing the maths on that one. You're very no, welcome. Um, I, I think you'd appreciate a film like that. John, are you uh, generally a fan of uh, movies based around war? <clears throat> oh, yeah, yeah, when they're done well, I like kind of, you know, when battle scenes, etc. are kind of done properly. I mean, Saving Private Ryan, all that kind of stuff. In my teens, when I was out, I watched it and enjoyed it. Um, I like a good documentary as well. Uh, I want for you, kind of as an aside, obviously, The Great War and the sheer misery of it. Uh, there was a good um, clip there. Full interview, actually, on YouTube. We might have come up in your feed over the last couple of years of Gay Byrne talking to a First World War veteran. Have you seen that, Aidan? Okay. No. It's on the, the TV. Um, little shrunk you know in lad. Yeah, the Irish fella. That we had to be very careful of. Not to leave any wounded out. Get the wounded in, get them in somewhere where they could be, because the rats would be known to attack helpless wounded. They could be alive, but the rats would attack them. Mm. As a matter of fact... There was one night, we were, in a, we were out of the line at the time, and we were in an old loft. And a young lad I knew very well, he was lying alongside me this night's sleep, and he woke up and he was shouting, he'd been bit. Well, we lit a bit of candle, and right enough, a, a rat had taken a piece out of his cheek. So we put a first field dressing on, and the morning time he seen the doctor. Now, it just shows you how, how poisonous they were. In two days' time, that young lad was dead, and his head and, 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 and neck and that had swelled up and gone black. 
So it just shows you the poison in the rat boys. I often wondered how many Tommies really got killed by rat boys. Tens of thousands of Irishmen who fought in World War One. Yeah. My grandfather was one of them. Incredible story about my grandfather. About 10 years ago, I did. Uh, I was asked to do Who Do You Think You Are? Which is the RT series where they look into your family's history, your genealogy, all that kind of stuff. And when they ask you to do the show, they, they ask a load of people to do it and they research the stories. And obviously then they just pick the kind of more interesting ones or whatever, you know. And my my story, <clears throat> it wasn't a huge, it wasn't like there was no murders and all that, but it was a very atypical story of um, emigration, etc. because my grandfather on my mother's side had four brothers uh, his father, sorry, had four brothers who emigrated to the States. But anyway, on my on my father's side, my grandfather, who I never knew, he died in his fifties before we were born, before any of us were born. And um, but I knew I knew he'd fought uh, for the Royal Dublin Fusiliers in World War One. And all we have of of my grandfather is, is kind of one kind of very formal photograph where he's, you know, very very stiff looking with his shirt and collar and little round glass of the John Lennon kind of glasses and a row of medals on his lapel and i remember asking my dad years ago you know what were the medals about and my dad said i've, I've never seen the medals i've no idea what they are and i'd never he said i'd never seen them as a kid long story short during the filming of oh, who do you think you are i met with the military historian connor and we filmed a sequence up in collins barracks and from the photograph and from my grandfather's employment record in guinnesses which is an incredible archive in dublin mm. if you've ever had relations who worked there you can go in as a family member and look at their employment record it's amazing and through his employment record in guinnesses we found his military service number and of course that then was the key to tracking his military uh, history so connor was able to then then track his four years of service through 14 to 18 as to you know, you know where he started. He started like most of them did in Ypres in Belgium, and then moved. He was in Salonica and yada yada. Incredible though, through one little number, you could trace his. And my father knew none of this when my father passed away nearly thirty years ago, and he had known none of this. But uh, he was also able to tell me from the photograph what the medals were, and of course the medals are all for certain theatres of war and there were four medals that were mounted on a bar and Connor said to me you know do you have them I said no I don't have them I said my father never even had them I said my father never saw them anyway the program airs <clears throat> and uh, about a year after the program aired the guy who directed Jerry Hoban a good friend of mine great director uh, rang me and said do you remember the military historian we met his film with yeah Connor yeah yeah he said he wants your number he wants to talk to you so I said give him a number no problem he's a lovely guy and he rang me and he said, listen, he said, strange this. He said, I've just been down to, I think it was Longford, somewhere in the Midlands. He said there was a guy selling some uh, paraphernalia, World War One paraphernalia. Bullets and belts and badges and stuff. And, and Connor collected this stuff. He said, I went down and I bought two boxes of stuff. And he said, I'm sitting here at home, sifting through it. And he said, uh, I found your grandfather's medals. Wow. Wow. Fucking that spine tingling. How did you feel? So he said, he was going through the box and he, he found this bar with four medals. And he said to himself, God, the last time I saw this bar with these four medals mounted in that order was Simon Delaney's grandfather. He said, but it can't be. And he turned one of the medals around and there was T. Delaney and his military number. Wow. wow. So he said, do you want them? I said, yeah. So I now have my grandfather's medals and they're medals that my father never had. My father never saw them. Yeah. But I, I now have them. Isn't that unreal? Like, it really is. And what a, um, 
special piece of uh, history to have. Oh my god! Yeah. To hold and, and to touch those. My uh, my brother is hugely into, you know, our family history, and he's a member of uh, the Stevens Green Club in in town, and they have reciprocal memberships with certain military clubs in in London. And uh, what we're going to do, my brother has decided, and I think it's a great idea, is that uh, we're going to donate the medals to the club, and they're going to be displayed alongside a photograph of my granddad, a little glass case. And uh, so that's where they're going to be. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing? If you saw that in a movie, you wouldn't believe it. Wouldn't no, it's actually. an incredible story. And uh, and just, uh, yeah, and if you'd never done that TV show, none of this would have happened either. You wouldn't find it. So those medals no. will end up in some uh, ex-servicemen's club. Yes, uh, exactly. Some regiment or battalion exactly. of the British Army. Wow. The Royal Dublin Fusiliers. Yeah. Royal Dublin yeah. Well, there was over... 210, I'm just looking at it here, 210,000 Irish men served in the British forces during World War One, uh, of which your granddad was one of those, and some 35,000 Irish men yeah. died in the quote-unquote Great War. That's um, a wonderful story. Yeah, so there you are. It's amazing what this show takes us. And then we started with a baby cry. Now we're talking about my granddad. Anyway, because that's your recommendation. I don't have one this week because I haven't been watching much TV, but I do have... The quiz. Cue the music, Johnny. Right, are you sitting comfortably, lads? Quickly, lads, before we go on. Obviously, yeah. last week I had a toilet emergency. Needed to. You uh, did, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I listened Not back to the tape, and you needed a wee. That was it. Very, very interesting listening back to the tape there. And I so obviously I, I left it intact so the the listeners mm-hmm. could hear for themselves and make their own mm-hmm. a, mm-hmm. A, a, a decision on it. But oh, there was collusion there, and. Well, all's fair. I, Love and I wouldn't say it was collusion, Your Honor. Uh, what we did was we conspired to, uh, which I think is the definition of collusion. But we just we conspired to uh, have a certain outcome because uh, you'd won the first week. Actually, you won last week as well, didn't you? I think Aiden probably would have won anyway. Uh, no, those questions were brutal. They were brutal. If you thought they were bad, when you get to this week's, this week's is a stinker, boys. I'm going to say it's 2-0 because John won the first week, Ada, and he won morally last week. I cheated last week. Okay, so it's 2-0 to John. No toilet breaks allowed. The time starts now. We're going going down the road this week, gentlemen, of American television. Mm. Okay. And we're going, there's some very hard questions here. I'm just going to give you three questions each uh, this time. Anyway, who would like to go first? Um, John, you went first last week? Yeah, you go first this time, cheater. Oh, cheater. Jesus Christ. All right, uh, Edo, your first question this week. <laughs> what were the detectives' names in Miami Vice? Oh, fucking Chaz and Dave. Um, the Chips. No, um, that was the motorbike guys. The detectives' names in... Oh, like Fossey and Crocus or Willie and John. Um Crockett and Foster and Allen. So you've mentioned so far 36 names. Would you like to pick any two to give me an answer? Bill and Ben. Uh, the detectives' names in Miami Vice were... They were one-word names like fucking Fitch and Frotch. Um, um, date, no, it's gone. Nothing. Uh, Johnny? I think he did say one of them Crockett and Billy. No idea. <laughs> Cro- no, okay, wait, well, wait, wait. It's like... Oh, no, I'm thinking of Starsky and Hutch, but it's like Crockett and Hutch. Or, well, or not. I'm going to give John one point because Crockett is right. He did offer me that answer. It was I Crockett did, and, I you did say part. it, but you didn't offer it. Let me just consult with the independent adjudicator. What do you think? 
Yeah, no, you're right. Fuck him. No, sorry. Yeah, he said that. No. I thought your it wife was, liked me. It was Crockett and Tubbs. James, Sonny, Crockett, and Ricardo Rico Tubbs. Yeah, baby. Right, so, John, you got uh, <clears throat> you got one point for that. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to give you an equally stinger question. I don't even know if you know this. Uh, what show was a spin-off of Mama's Family? Jesus Christ. I've never even heard of Mama's Family. No, but you you do know what the spin-off was, but you definitely um, heard of it. Was it Golden Girls? Is the wrong answer. Ada, would you like to try and steal? Think American classic TV. Yeah, I'm going to guess just when you say Mama's Family, I'm going to go with something with family also in the title. Family Ties. Is the wrong answer. It's the Carol Burnett Show. Never heard of it. That's a tough one. Never heard of the Carol Burnett Show? No. Too young. I've heard of it, yeah. Go down that YouTube wormhole tonight and you will find one of the greatest outtakes in history, because this was shot in front of a live studio audience. And <clears throat> one of the best um, actors, comedians ever worked in the business was a man called Tim Conway. And if you ever want to pick up or a laugh, just go onto YouTube and Google Tim Conway dentist sketch. Okay. And he does the sketch with another actor who was in Blazing Saddles, Can Ling's name. He was kind of the straight man. It's fucking hysterical. And also then Tim Conway, while taping... Uh, the Carol Burnett show and libs in a certain scene and it floors the entire cast and the audience to the point where <clears throat> one of the cast collapses on the floor. They're laughing that much. It's not elephants, huh? No. Just a, uh, I was at this freak show one time and I, I saw these Siamese elephants. <laughs> okay, well, that might be the greatest outtake that, that's out there for people to watch, but I yeah. would... Uh, suggest Simon that you and I in my opinion were involved in uh, the greatest outtake ever that will never make it into the public domain because if it does it'll end your career and mine well, than... <laughs> no let's not talk about that on air then Ado <laughs> <clears throat> it was one this one time when we were recording uh, a promo for uh, a certain oh, yeah. television show you and I both used to work on and yes. You, me, and Anna Delaney were oh so giddy and we could not get it done the first time, the second time, the tenth time. And I think you find it's Anna Daly. Oh, yeah, let's blame Anna Daly. Let's blame Anna Daly. Could you do call her Anna Delaney? We were husband and wife TV-wise. We weren't married in real life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I've no idea what the score is. John, you're still one up. We've got one question each, correct? Yes. All right, Edo, your turn, brother. Are you ready? Yeah. Now, bear in mind, this is, has an American slant in it. So I'm asking this question and the answer is American. Now, here we go. What is the longest continuously running game show on television? Great question. It is, isn't it? Mm. It's a stinker, like. Going to go with my gut. Jeopardy. Is the wrong answer. Johnny, steal this for two points and race into a 3-0 lead. Can he do it? Uh, the price is right. Is the right answer? <laughs> yes, yes. That was Jesus. an American TV show before we got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. UK. And it's still on. It's still on. Drew, your man Drew Carey hosting now, I think. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Uh, right, you're 3 0 up, Johnny, and it's your question. This will put it to bed. We won't even. Man, we might need a third question. Wow. Okay. I'm going to give you a stinker, Johnny. Sorry, brother. Go for it. Okay. Well, maybe it's not a stinker. In fact, I look at the question and I think he will get this right. What is the name of the president of the USA in the West Wing? For fuck's sake. Oh. 
never watch that show. Did you not? Never. You've got it to you that we've talked about on this show. It's so um, good. So good. So I feel NATO could come in here and steal two points back and keep the game alive, but Johnny, steal your question, brother. Martin Sheen. It's not President right. Sheen. <laughs> um, it's not fully enough. No. It's just his surname will do, obviously. Well, I'll take his surname, yeah. I okay. mean, I'd be, no, I'll give you a no, bonus point of view. No, I think that's unfair. Well, you see, if you give me both his names, Ada, I'll give you three points which will tie it up. But anyway, Johnny, give me an answer. It's like President Sullivan? Is the wrong answer. Okay. Ada, if you can get this right, including the first name, I'll give you three points. Which means you tie it up going into the last question. Get your three points on the table. President Jed Bartlett. Oh, I'm going to give you two points because it's Josiah Bartlett. <laughs> no, he's Jed Bartlett. No one ever referred to him as Josiah Bartlett. <laughs> Josiah yeah. Bartlett is no, the name. That's not fair, Simon. His character. Go to. Okay. Pull up an episode <clears throat> of The West Wing. Go to the end and watch the credits, and it will say. Jed Bartlett, Martin Sheet. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. I wish I could spend more than a few minutes with you, but the polls don't close in the East for another hour, and there are plenty of election results still left to falsify. <laughs> I won't say you that. I'm probably President Bartlett. I knew this would cause consternation. Dead Bartlett. Uh, West, I'm just actually going to Google it now. West Wing president, right? Right then. What uh, comes up? And it says Josiah Jed Bartlett. There you go. Does it? So it does, yeah. Honest God, it says Josiah and then in commas, Jed Bartlett. So he, his name was Josiah Bartlett, but he's known as Jed. Do you know what, Edo? Because it's Halloween, I'm going to give you the three points. Johnny, sorry, brother. We're all no. tied. That's and fair we've enough. Got one, we've got one question left. In fairness, that was a great answer, wasn't it? Very good. Okay. Ado, your question to springboard yourself into the lead. And you need this because you're two games to nail down at the moment. One through lack of knowledge, the other through cheating, which is partially my fault. So anyway, um, what show, Ado, featured the first interracial kiss to be shown on television? Jesus, wow. Yeah, great question. Um... <clears throat> Fucking hell. M, M, M. If I keep M'ing, will it come to my head? This has got me. I will just go with a show from... I will say Cheers. Is the wrong answer, John. Do you want to steal it? A bit of a stab in the dark for me, but I'll say maybe All in the Family. Is wrong. It was Star Trek. Oh, Oh. yeah. Yeah. So the first intergalactic... Interracial kiss. <clears throat> We're still tied, uh, which means, John, you can win it with this question. Are you ready, young man? Is <clears throat> Who was the first actor to be nominated for an Emmy for the same character on three different shows? Ooh, I can't remember his name. Fred or some of his character's name. I think it was Mary Tyler Moore show he was in, which was a spin-off of another show, which in turn got spun off. I think that's the answer. I don't know his name. I could be completely wrong making a show of myself. But that's as much as I can give you, Simon. So you're, the answer you give me is Fred. Fred. Is the actor's name. The character's name, I think, was Fred. 
I'm mm-hmm. afraid you're wrong, Johnny. And Sorry. when I give you the answer, you're going to kick yourself. It's Kelsey Grammer. Hang on. I, I was meant to be given an opportunity to answer that. Oh, sorry, Ado. By default, I win because the quiz master just <clears throat> his own rules of the game. Balls. I forgot about that. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll give you. I'll give you I wouldn't have got that. I was I was thinking maybe. Well, I could only yeah, it was Kelsey Grammer. Shows. It was Cheers. Brian Cranston for better. So we're still tied. Oh, we're still tied, correct? Breaking bad. Yes. Um, yeah, we are. Yeah. Okay, Ado, here's your question. Tiebreaker, John. Bump the music up because this is just so exciting. You ready? <laughs> here we go. Okay. Name the four main characters in the TV show The Golden Girls. <laughs> uh, four of them. Which I believe myself, Anna Daly, Laura Woods, and yourself used to refer to ourselves as. <laughs> I think, yeah. I think a particular producer used to call us that, but not in a country yeah. way. Okay. Oh, Just yeah. give me their first names. Let's go. Let's uh, do it. You can do it. Imelda, Tanya, Tina, and Tiffany. No idea. I can't even name one of them. I know Betty White was one of them, but I just can't think of it. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm going to have to offer it then, which means, John, you can win this. you got to get all four, Johnny. Oh, God. This is so annoying because I have watched a good bit over the, over the years. Um, Blanche. Mm-hmm. Dorothy. Correct. Um, um, so oh, he's got no. 50% right, has he? Yeah, he needs two more. Or nothing. Or nothing. You got nothing. It's all or nothing, Johnny. Give us two Sylvia? more names. Is the wrong answer. No, sorry. Ro- Rose and Sophia. If I'd had the money, I could have been living in a swinging condo instead of with... I better not say anything till I've had my coffee. <laughs> a slut and a moron. <laughs> Sophia, Sylvia. But uh, Johnny, it's your question. You can still win it uh, by getting this one right. Okay. Yeah. All right. <sighs> okay. That's a real stinker. Jesus, that's a real stinker. I don't think you'll get that. What was the first television advertisement to air in the US? What was the product? Ooh. Okay. Honestly, if you, if you get this right, I'll give you my car. <laughs> I think it was probably some cleaning product or something like that. I don't think it would have been Coca-Cola or Ford. Um, I'm going to say like Brillo pads or something. Ado. Did you say the first television commercial? Yeah. TV advertisement to air in the US. Doopy 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 doo. I wonder, did you give a clue when you said, "If you get this right, John, I'll give you my car"? Because it's making me think of Ford. But that was that was out in the twenties. TV wasn't around then. We're talking the forties. Bum 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 bum. Uh, yeah, with John, like it's a, it's a fucking it's a, <clears throat> it's a washing powder or something like that. What did you say, John? Brillo pads? Like Brillo pads, yeah. Okay, I will go with. Um, I don't know if they have Daz in America. Um. The first advertisement on U.S. television was for the all-new shake-and-bake fucking soda powder. So Soda, uh, what they call that? Yeah, washing powder. That's my answer. Generic washing powder brand. I can't think of one. No, wrong. I'm completely wrong. It was for Bulova watches. America runs on Bulova time. Bulova watches. Yeah. Now, here's the new tiebreaker, right? You're both getting the same question. The be nearest to yeah. it wins it, okay? Okay. Okay. Uh, how many hours did the show 24 run for? <laughs> Seems like a bit of a trick question. It was specials yeah. and stuff, wasn't there? 
So I want John's answer first, then Ados, and the closest to it wins this week's quiz. Okay. I'm going to say 28. <clears throat> Ado? 28 hours that the entire thing ran for? Mm-hmm. Oh. So the words are... Well, anyway, yeah. All right, so look, I'll just go higher or lower. I'll go 27. No, that was a mistake. I should have higher. The answer is a 192 hours. Yeah. So Johnny streaks into a 3-0 lead. Ado, Jesus, wept. Next week's quiz, if you thought this one was hard, oh, boys, oh, boys. Right. Ado, let's recap on this week's show. What did Sky give us? All right, well, they're bringing us season two of The White Lotus, which has just dropped, and it is moved from uh, the beautiful... uh, Hawaii to the equally beautiful Teormina in Sicily and we are still inside a very wealthy uh, hotel uh, resort full of very wealthy, beautiful and by all accounts obnoxious people and there's comedy and there's moida and there's drugs and uh, very sunny um, places. Wow. You should work for the Italian tourist board. You really should. Prego. What did you give us then? You recommended something that hasn't come out yet. It's out now. Watch it on the Western Front, this new big uh, retelling of the famous book and indeed movie made in the 1930s, uh, told from the German side uh, of World War One and the uh, the futility and the realities of war and particularly trench warfare and the fact that it obviously went on a lot longer. And, was and that's on Netflix, Ada, was it? It's on Netflix and uh, it's getting rave reviews. I'm getting stuck in today. Just a few quick horror films for the day that's in it. <clears throat> very very quickly uh, all David Cronenberg classics if I mean, we won't be watching them because we are pussies no something in it for everybody kind of psychological kind of body horror stuff uh, first one Videodrome long with the new flesh James Woods is a programmer at a TV station specialises in adult entertainment searching for the next big thing and he finds a random Japanese channel in the ether that shows people getting murdered so he decides to sell that to his, his company and they go for it. Uh, obviously, stuff happens after that, but I can't go into it, but a very, very interesting uh, film from 1983. Little one, Dead Zone, which is uh, a Stephen King original story, uh, stars Christopher Walken. Don't you know who I am? Of course I know who you are. You think I'd have you come into my son's life without checking you out, but I hired you for your abilities as a teacher, not as a fortune teller. Now, don't give me any arguments. <laughs> He's gonna break! And he's a guy who gets in a near-fatal car accident. Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. Mm. And uh, when he comes to, he doesn't die, but he has uh, the power to kind of maybe, maybe basically he shakes hands with people or touches people or is near them, and he gets a premonition of how they'll die or what they'll do crime-wise. Very interesting. And then one last one to scare the absolute bejesus out of you, The Brood, which is about a series of brutal murders seemingly perpetrated by these gangs of Looks like children. They're about four foot five, wearing hoodies, orange hoodies, going around stabbing people. It's all about basically Cronenberg's divorce. This is the film he made after his divorce. Uh, Oliver Reed's in it. It's very unsettling. Uh, I think that one would probably give you nightmares. That's all very uh, dark and bleak, isn't it? I'm happy to report that I'll be watching none of them. Uh, I would probably go with the recommendation of the Netflix movie. Gentlemen, what have you learned this week? I learned that I'm not very good at quizzes. I've learned that if you guess enough, you eventually get some stuff right in life. 
<laughs> and I've learned that if anybody listening, uh, of course it's too late, but if you're near Ado's or JC's house tonight and you knock and don't get an answer because they're miserable sods, knock fucking louder. See ya! See ya!